Be My Baby, number 6,392 on our top 10,000 countdown. The Ronettes with that unmistakable, in-your-head Phil Spector production, pushing those needles way over into the red. Be My Baby, 1963. You know, I fell in love with that tune. What would it be, seven years later? Andy Kim covered that one, had a bit of a hit in the States even. Yes, Andy Kim, most underrated of Canadian cultural ambassadors. We'll play something else from Mr. Kim in a while. Be My Baby, fabulous tune. I would have played you Mr. Kim's rendition, but I haven't scrounged it yet. When I do, I'll spin it for you. At any rate, that was Phil Spector's version. A mere step away from Canadian content, just trying to keep the CRTC off our backs here. At Soul Food, the Ghost Light Edition. Post-Apocalypse Radio for your holiday weekend. So what's this Ghost Light thing anyways? A few days ago, an actor friend of mine, Stephen L. Cheshen, who'll be playing Roy, the ticket man at the Harrison bus station in our production of The Trip to Bountiful. That'll be opening May 15th at Pacific Theater, or whenever this darn plague thing blows over. Stephen passed along something from a theater guy in Minnesota named Dalen O'Connell. Made quite an impression. Not only on me, but on about 9.7 thousand other people who've responded since he posted it five days ago. And Dalen has like 833 Facebook friends, so I guess you could say this thing's gone a bit beyond his immediate circle. Well, I tracked down young Dalen, and it turns out we got a few things in common. Theater, of course. I'm an actor and some other stuff the Artistic Director of Pacific Theatre here in Vancouver, Canada. Dalen is a freelance scenic designer and technical director in the Twin Cities. He also dabbles in light and sound design from time to time, did his theatre training at MSU Mankato, right there in beautiful Minnesota. And that caught my attention. I think Deb Sears, a longtime Pacific Theatre person, went to Mankato State. And my wife's dad grew up very near there in Winnebago. And no, they don't manufacture recreational vehicles there. Winnebago's too small to be manufacturing much of anything, I'd say. And any more than nearby Lake Wobegon or Harrison, Texas, say. Anyhow, he and his wife Ashley, no, not that Ashley O'Connell, though she is an actor, live just north of Minneapolis with their son, Brennan, Bit of an Irish thing going on there, do you think? They've been hit pretty hard by recent events. In the past couple of weeks, Dalen's had to cancel Into the Woods, A Year with Frog and Toad, Rock of Ages, Aladdin, and She Kills Monsters. Like I said, we got a few things in common. So I asked Dalen to come by the studio the other day, and he dropped by. And yes, we maintained appropriate social distance, don't worry about us, about 2,872.6 kilometers, give or take. That's about 1,784.95089 miles, more or less, for you Americans in the crowd. So no, we won't be catching anything. I got a big studio, and Dalen brought his own mic. Anyhow, I asked him to tell us all about uh, ghost lights.
In theater, we have a tradition. Whenever the theater is empty, we are always sure to leave one light on. Typically on a stand in the center of the stage, this light is known as the ghost light. There are many stories about its origin, but its meaning is unmistakable. It means, though the theater is empty, we will return. So here's to us, the actors, the technicians, the directors, the carpenters, the designers, the dancers, the teachers, the students, the freelancers, those on tour, those at sea, the electricians, the stitchers, the makers, the stage managers, the artists. Many of us have taken hits during this virus. Financial and emotional weights have come crashing down as our entire industry is reduced to nothing but a bunch of ghost lights. But those ghost lights are temporary placeholders. They are a sign. We might be down now, but our passion, our creativity, our drive is still center stage. We'll be unplugging those ghost lights in no time. Until then, here's a ghost light to let the world know we will be back. Dalen's parting words as he stood framed in the door of my studio, still visible in the ghost light. Let me know if this works for you. I hope it helps. Let me know if I can do anything else to help. Thanks for keeping the light on. And he climbed on his virtual motorbike and headed east. Safe travels, Dalen. Dale and I made plans to meet at the opening night of my play Tolkien.
when it opens in the Twin Cities at the Open Window Theater. That was supposed to happen pretty soon, but it's been delayed. You can guess why. But someday, as Dalen and I said, next year in Minneapolis. The music was by Spencer Capier off his record, Plays Well With Others. And I can testify to the fact that he does. That record is available on iTunes, and I should let you know that all the music in this show is by Pacific Theater artists like Spencer. Spencer was uh, in the cast of uh, Cut and Patch Gospel when we did that in 1994 and reprised it a few years later. And, uh, well, until all this craziness happened, we were planning on bringing Cut and Patch Gospel back next season. We'll find out if that happens. There will be a next season, and I think Cotton Patch would be just about right. You can get Spencer's music on iTunes. The title of that song was Inkling. Seems kind of appropriate. With this ring, I thee wed. With this ring, I thee wed. With my body, I thee worship. My body, I thee worship. And all my worldly goods, I thee endow. And all my worldly goods, I thee endow. Those whom God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. Today in 1957, C.S. Lewis married Joy Gresham for the second time. I was only 69 days old at the time, so I have no conscious memory of the event, but Joy's son Douglas, who was 11, writes, On that day, Jack and Joy were properly married by an old pupil of Jack's, a good and true friend, Peter Bide, who had become a priest of the Anglican Church in the Wingfield Hospital in Oxford. Joy was expected to die within a few days. Jack's brother Warney described it as one of the most painful days of my life. Immediately after the ceremony, Peter Bide laid his hands on Joy and prayed to God that he should heal her if it be his will. Joy was sent back to die in peace at her husband's home. But she didn't. She got better instead. J.R.R. Tolkien, Jack's closest friend, well, less and less close over the preceding decade or so, but that's another story, was not present at the hospital room wedding and knew nothing about it. In a letter he happened to write to Catherine Ferrer on that very day, he said, I believe you've been much concerned with the troubles of poor Jack Lewis. Of these I know little. When I see Jack, he naturally takes refuge in literary talk for which no domestic griefs and anxieties have yet dimmed his enthusiasm. Morning. Morning. You off to see the groundhog? Yes, I am. Do you think it's going to be an early spring? I'm predicting March 21st. Oh, <laughs> good guess. You know, I think that actually is the first day of spring. Now it's boiling in a miserable March 21st. 
Wrap the hills in a blanket of Patterson's curse The train smokes down the side of foam There'll be no stopping here For your candy is thirsty in a town with no cheer In a play directed by my buddy Ian Farthing a couple summers ago, David Frost had this to say to Richard Nixon. They're moving on to a conversation you had with John Dean on March 21st, the following year. In one transcript alone, there in black and white, I picked out, and these are your words, one, you could get a million dollars. Look, let me just stop you now right there because you're doing something here, which I am not doing and I will not do throughout these entire broadcasts. You're quoting me out of context, out of order. He's a liar. Dean told him on March 21st about Comeback and Hunt. All about the payoffs of the Watergate burglars. Also on this day, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, Caden Cotard, was awarded the MacArthur Fellowship. The man who knew too much attempted to thwart an assassination at the Royal Albert Hall based on a note in a shaving brush handle. Reporter April O'Neill reported on an attempted Foot Clan robbery. I witnessed an attempted Foot Clan robbery at the docks in Brooklyn last night. At Ludwig von Beethoven's premiere of The Gross Fugue, received a disappointing reception. My God, you're deafer than I thought. And finally, according to the common man in A Man for All Seasons. Thomas Cranmer, the Archbishop of Canterbury, was burned alive on the 21st of March, 1556. Oh, Richard Rich became a knight, solicitor general, a baron, and Lord Chancellor of England, and died in his bed. And so did I. And so, I hope, will all of you. Tonight, we were supposed to have closed Pacific Theater's production of Best of Enemies. Sad to say, we shut the doors a week ago last night to keep folks safe. Tonight, I'm going to remember the show in my own way by settling for second best. I'll be watching Taraji P. Henson, Sam Rockwell, Babu Sise and Anne Hash try their hardest to live up to the extraordinary performances of Celia Aloma, Robert Salvador, Anthony Santiago, and Rebecca DeBoer. The curtain came down too abruptly on that remarkable show. I rented the last copy of the DVD from Black Dog Video on Camby yesterday. I got word that they closed their doors this morning. But you can stream this actually very good, even though it's not a play treatment of the story on YouTube, Google Play, Cineplex, Microsoft, or on Showtime through Amazon Prime. And that last one is free for a seven-day trial. Amazon Prime also has both screen treatments of Shadowlands, the 1993 film with Anthony Hopkins, and the rather different 1985 version directed by Norman Stone for the BBC. Did you know both Shadowland screenplays were written by William Nicholson, who also wrote the acclaimed stage play, the ultimate performance of which graced the Pacific Theater stage in the spring of 2005, starring Catherine Venor and some guy. 
By the way, thanks to Pacific Theater apprentice Chantelle Gallant for her research on those screening services. I should also mention that incredible bass riff you heard earlier in the show is from I Want Jesus to Walk With Me by PT regular Nelson Boschman and his trio. It's from his fabulous record, Keeping Time, Volume 2, available along with Volume 1 on both Apple Music and Spotify. Special thanks to Rick Calhoun for setting me up to record this podcast. Thank you, Rick. He designed the sound for Best of Enemies, and uh, he used that bass riff for one of Pacific Theater's all-time great sound cues, the end of Act One of... Okay, anybody know what show that was? If you do, drop me a line about this or anything else soul food related to our mailbag, soulfood at ronreed.org. You could win fabulous prizes. Courage. <laughs>